All right, welcome to the Real Deal Podcast. I'm Maddie Marshall, and uh, you know, I was—I got a, a text about two weeks ago from um, you know one of my good friends that we used to play with for, together for years. Sent me a picture of an old school autococker, kind of stoked some some uh, memories, and started going down, you know, reminiscing about back in the day. And then lo and behold, he walks into the PBA studio, and I was like, you know what, man, we need to do a podcast. We started talking about all these old stories. And I was like, yeah, you know what, let's hit pause real quick on the conversation. Let's throw some mics on it and actually do a podcast. So if you guys are, are listening to this podcast, wanting to hear what's going to happen in 2013 for the PSP, you might as well just turn it off now because this is about, we're just going to know. All right, welcome to the Real Deal Podcast. I'm Maddie Marshall. And, uh, you know, I was a bit of the history of the game. Um, the, the man I'm talking about is Eric Roberts, who, you know, back in the day was, was, uh, you know, one of the kings of paintball, man, really uh, highly touted rookie coming up. I remember when he came on the team, Ironman, <clears throat> when we won world titles and uh, and then went and played for Avalanche and came back to the Ironman and, you know, just one of those guys that, you know, Eric, you were one of those players that kind of dictated what the, uh, what the current professional player looks like, what they act like, what they play like, multifaceted, could play front, you know, at diverse levels of the game. I remember one time you were playing pump with Marty Bush, old school legend out there and, and, you know, handling your business with a pump gun. You know, you kind of were one of those quintessential guys that was literally the archetype of what we see these, you know, younger, you know, like a guy like, uh, like Alex Goldman, for instance, you know, mm -hmm. fit, taller, but a but real, but athletic, a lot taller. <laughs> but yeah, you're not exactly tall. But you're not short. But anyway, hey man, I'm glad to have you here. Thank you for coming and sitting yeah. with me. And uh, it's good to come back home. Yeah, you this know, this is my home for a lot longer than actually before you. But you and I worked back at Die way back in the day. Yeah, yeah. Glowing barrels together. Yeah, and uh, you know we're lucky enough to be able to share a studio space here. So so Eric. And again, man, we're going to be dorking out on some old school paintball stuff right now. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, and it, it's going to be a crazy thir 2013 season is going to be insane. It, it, I, I'm really looking forward to it. You know, Houston Heat won three events last year. And, um, and you know, we've had the MVP voting and, and Jason Edwards just won People's Choice MVP. We're going to have the co Coach's Choice coming up here in a second um, to see who the coaches think are the best players. Alexander Burtnikoff was our top gun title holder from the statistics. Uh, he was the number one guy. So, you know... Um, well, we got about two months before the start of the first season. There's going to be a ton of information on Paypal Access coming at you guys about all <clears throat> everything that's going on in the sport. Hasn't been a lot of movement in the team so far, and uh, and you know, then I, I just we need the, the history of paintball needs to live. And if we're, if we don't, if we don't tell these stories and talk about how it used to be and how the current game was molded. And that's really kind of why I wanted to pick your brain is because, you know, your mentality and your aggression and the way you looked at the sport and how you really helped change what a dynamic front player was, because, you know, you were there, both of us were there as front players in that transition from the woods to hyperball to airball to the, and then you played in, you know, the current state of airball for years too. So, uh, what was kind of, how did you look at the game back in the day? I mean, you were one of those guys that kind of came up and changed what a front player was at the professional level. Like, what was going on in your head when you first found paintball? I think because I came into it, I started kind of playing when I was, I think, uh, 17. So I was like late, if you want to consider the kids now. But, but back then, that was relatively It was new. young. Yeah, that was young. It was young, because I started really playing in like 94, 95, but... Uh, Growing up in Northern California, like you were immersed down here in the Southern California way of playing. I just kind of started coming into it like at that time in 95 and 
when I grew, when I started going there, there was like all like the speedball thing. So you had like the little speedball pallets and that sort of thing. And then you had like the woods ball side. And there of was it. no air ball at this time. It was Nothing. Because no. speedball back in the close. day, because when I first, I remember the first time they were like, hey, let's go play speedball. And I'm like, what the hell is speedball? Yeah, what is that? And we go out and there's just plywood bunkers. But it, it was a very distilled version of paintball because. You know, it was, you took a lot of the strategy that, that you had in the intricacies of the woods out in the, you know, topography and three-dimensional fields and that sort of thing. And then really just distilled the, the sport, the elements of paintball, the speed, the aggression, the gunfighting, like all that was brought to bear when you played speedball. So us younger guys, man, we loved playing just that pure speedball game and mm-hmm. excelled at it. And that ended up becoming what professional paintball is today. And that was like one of the first things I was introduced to right when I went to a field my very first time. So... Yeah, you had the woods, but you had the speedball thing in the same in the parking lot. Like you could kind of see the speedball field. So, to me, the woods thing was new. So I would go out there in the woods and I'd get my ass handed to me because I didn't know the different techniques and poking the holes through the bunker or like the stick bunkers and like how to shoot across field. But when you had the black and white speedball fields, you were even. Like it was skill versus skill. Who could make that you know chest move type play and really take advantage of that move? So at that time, who was the aggressive person was going to usually get that get the, uh, the edge up on someone and make that kill versus if you're out there in the woods, you have some guy that's been sitting at a spot for 10, 15 minutes just waiting for someone to come by. So yeah. I came into it at that transition period, like you're saying, like going from the speedball to the woods to later on, like the hyperball, then years later after that into the airball and, and what we have now. But I came into it where I was, I think I was just like an aggressive person by nature and like the sports that I played. So this was Speedball, I was like, okay, this is great. Because it's like, it's a one-on-one. It's my skills versus this guy's skills. Yeah. It wasn't the years of playing in the woods and the crawling techniques and how to listen with your ears versus even seeing anything. You know, you couldn't see three feet in front of you. So you knew how to play the angles and you knew how to play one-on-one with a guy that's equal to your level or maybe, you know, greater than you, but you're playing on something that's a palette that you can't really shoot through. You have to kind of shoot around it. So it kind of made us all even. So it kind of groomed me into that kind of, aggressive type front player, which is, I mean, you put me in the mid and I'm screwed. You put me in the back and I don't know what to do. So it's like, I only had one, one position, but one that, speed. But it's true though. But I, I would say though, is that you, you did eventually be able to come and be, uh, you know, you weren't just a one dimension. Yeah. In the beginning, you were a one dimensional yeah. front player, but as time went on, you were also one of like Angel Fergoza was another guy that was like that Angel mm-hmm. Fergoza. And this is, and Eric, I'm so glad to have you in here because, you know, again, I'm, we're doing the statistics now with, with paintball access and, and we're, you know, we're, we're webcasting all the games and we're really trying to document paintball, but without having a guy like you that I could talk to right now, this stuff dies, man. You know, there's no, the, the history, which is, you know, so much of how the game is played now, the fundamental nature of the sport itself, even the format that we play was really kind of laid in stone by guys like yourself as we, you know, went on our paintball journeys back in the day. And, you know, unless you're able to have access to paintball magazines from that time, like there aren't really, you know, there's actually a really cool book that was just put out by the guys that did Faceful magazine that I haven't been able to check out yet. But, you know, it's like if you are into football, if you're into pool, if you're into soccer, whatever activity you're into, there's some sort of thing that you can go and check out. Like, where did this come from? Yeah. Where did where did this originate from? Who were the guys, the prime movers that made all this happen? You were one of those guys. So I'm so happy that you're here to be able to pick your brain about this because, you know, again, like I said, man, if you, you know, the, that's what this is about. This is about the sport, the, the history of the sport, about the people that, that got us to where we are. And Eric, you're one of those guys, you know, I mean, how do you look back now? I mean, now you're paramedic, mm-hmm. you know, about to be a firefighter and, 
how do you look back on your time in the game? You know, because you were one of the best players in paintball for yeah, better I felt, part of I mean, a decade. When I, when I started playing, I fell upon it completely by accident. Just happened to be playing with friends. Friends got guns. Went out to a field, and two years later, I turned pro. Like for me, like for, for I think anybody at that time, that was quick. Um, yeah, the, but absolutely. going looking at like what paintball is now. There has to be foundation to anything, like you said, whether it be soccer or football, baseball. I mean, I've watched this great documentary on baseball. It's like, I think it's like 18 hours long. It talks about all of where baseball started, like where it came from, the game of rounders, and like where it really evolved from. And the paintball aspect of it, when we played in the woods, played with the semi-automatic guns, like played with guns that are strictly mechanical. It's like, you couldn't even really be a paintball player if you didn't even know how to work on a gun. Yeah, it almost, it was like, you were part tinkerer, part craftsman, part athlete at the same time yeah you had to be because to be at the top level you know mm -hmm. i mean it's you had because you you know when we're like that that stock autococker that you brought in the office today yeah. you know we're looking Old at 95. it just, yeah 95 autococker like just straight boot how did you get that gun again i was looking on <laughs> i was looking on on ebay for just looking at guns, because you always wanted the old school carker that you started with, like right out like, of the first guns that I had. Well, no it would be like when you're a teenager and you're like, oh, I want to buy a 67 Camaro if you're old, you know, yeah. and you're like, because that's the car I wanted when I was a kid, you know. Like, and that's the gun that I had when I started. Then, you know, you go through and dump all your money into modifications, and then all of a sudden you have that gun. And then when I turned pro with you, we had our Ironman cockers. Mm -hmm. So that's what I used. So I wanted something that was kind of like nostalgic, like, oh, I want to go like an old school CO2, and I want to get back in the woods and like play that old school paintball when. When it was fun, when I loved to do it, versus when it got to more of like a tournament sport, versus when it got to a job, you know, and that was what I did as a career, my lifestyle and everything. I want to go back and go enjoy the fun parts of it, like how we started going out and playing in the woods, like where you're scared to death, like, dude, I might get poisoned up today. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not going to go over there. Uh, you go over on that side of the field because I'm going to stick over here because there's dirt and a little bit of twigs and I can handle it over here. So I want to kind of get back into something. I found that gun online. It was like 185 bucks for a bone stock 95 the square back block cocker, I was like, you know what? I have to buy it. So, and, and it is, it's a dead stock gun. I want to kind of do like a little bit of a retro mods to it and kind of keep it like new, but also kind of keep it looking the way it is because it just reminds me of when I first started playing paintball, when paintball was fun, when you guys would get all of our money together. We'd all carpool together up to Portland. Yep. It'd be like four of us in a hotel room. And yep. People think now like, well, I don't want a room with anybody. It's like, okay, try having eight dudes yeah. in the same room. No joke. Not not like, oh, let's exaggerate and make this story crazy. No, eight guys in a room. Yeah. I mean, I were going to Vegas one year. We slept 10 dudes in a room. One guy was like, can't take it. He went and slept in his car. We had dudes sleeping in the bathtub. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what we had to do back in the day. But you know, the, that whole lifestyle and that, that it, the sense of adventure, it was just such, it was so ripe with adventure back then. And I remember mm -hmm. being 16 and going to Orlando with, you know, my, in my first pro tournament. And this is, you know, like I said, years and years ago, 94, but I was like, my God, it was just, it still relates today because I meet these kids that are 14, 15 years old and the possibility, I mean, if you're out there and you're listening to this, it doesn't even matter if you're, if you're 15. You could be 37, 45. It doesn't matter. I mean, the, that sense of adventure is still there. I think that's the lure. That's the thing that, that paintball, the hook, that's super fun is because you get to travel to all these different places sure. and you get to meet these different people and you have to work with them, meet these people from other teams, play against them. So there's so many different levels. There's a level of adventure. There's a, a level of getting outside that paradigm that you are just so stuck in all the time. You know, you go to work, you got your family or whatever your particular life happens to be. 
And paintball is like a pause button for all of that. And you just can go and live another life almost for a little bit. For sure. And then come back and live the, your, your typical normal life. And it's just, it's, it's almost like a, a gigantic exclamation point you get to put on your existence, which is such a special thing, man. You know, I mean, there's not a lot of things you can do uh, that re revolve around that. And you said in, like, I think it was in Sunday Drivers at the very end of it, you talk about how you're explaining what you do to people, the random person that you meet on the, on the airplane, explaining the welt, talking to the annoying girlfriend or telling mom and dad, hey, I'm going to go away. Paintball was that life that's like, you got to escape. You got to go live as loud as you want to be. Because nobody knew you, nobody judged you, but you got to go be yourself, have the, your own freedom of expression, and got to go travel. I mean, I've filled up at least two passports with visa stamps of places I got to go all over the world. There's no way I would have ever been able to do that anywhere else. And would do in any other sport, and say, okay, yeah, I did, got to do all this travel for free, got to do this free, but I still earned it. But it's like, that was, an, I mean, would I give it up? No. It's like, I'm still going for like this new career, kind of going for where, you know, what I want to do now. But when I look back at it, it's like, I had the best 10 years of my life doing this, meeting the people overseas, all the travels, the, the rental car stories, the hotel stories, like getting in trouble, doing things we shouldn't have been doing. It's like, but you know what though? Like, we're 21, 22, 23, getting in trouble, having this awesome time of life and, and getting to play as loud as we want to be, being ourselves, and we come back to reality. And then you see your mom and your girlfriend and your parents go back to your job, explain to them what you did, and they look at you like you're from some other planet. But you got to come back and be like, you know, I had the best experiences of my life. Well, it turns the volume down and makes everything else easier to deal with because it's almost like... I mean, yeah, being in, in, a, in a really important paintball game isn't necessarily, you know, that's, it, it's an intense experience, but it's almost like you train your brain for intense experiences. It's like your brain is dealing with pathways and situations and has to be able to, you know, you need to be able to, to take whatever sort of knowledge and skill that you have brought to bear over time, deal with the situation presented to you at that exact moment, participate in that moment as best you possibly can and exert your will on the world. And that's a big lesson, you know I mean? That's something mm -hmm. you can take to, I don't care what else, whatever it is, other thing that you do, it just makes that that much easier because yeah. it's just simpler to deal with. You know, it's just like whether it's a test or a, a something with your job or a real life situation, you know, I mean, you just, your brain is, because that's the big thing with paintball. Like when I meet people and they're like, okay, well, you know, what's, what's a good paintball player? Or I'm going out to play for my first time. What, what do I need to know? And I'm like, look, first of all, the first thing you need to understand is that stop reacting. If you just are purely reacting to what's happening to you, then you're not going to be a participant in what's occurring. You're just almost a spectator because you're reacting to everything that everyone else is doing. So those good players, they're making moves. They're shooting at you. You're reacting to their moves. You're reacting to being shot at. If you're the one acting upon the game, then you're the prime mover. You're the one that people are reacting to. And life is the same way. You want to be the one acting and let other people react to the things that you're doing. Be proactive about things. That's, you know, when we go out and kids are like, well, what do I need to do to be a better paintball player? I'm like, dude, go to practice and be fair. Fearless. Go yeah. to practice and attack. Go to practice and see how aggressive you can be. It's just practice, man. Let your let your coach or your, whoever know, like, hey, I'm going to go out and play hyper-aggressive. I want to see how good I can be. I'm going to get shot. It's no big deal. Learn from your errors, and then
then you can take that to the actual tournament. Life is the same way, man. You know, it's, sure. if you're not in your situation, acting upon the world, being a prime mover in, a, in an intelligent way, of course. And that's another thing the paintball teaches you too, is you can't just blindly run down the field. You know, no. it's the same thing with life. You can't just blindly run down life and expect that things and doorways are going to open up. You have to do it with intelligence. You have to do it with intent. And you have to do it using all of the skills that you've honed up to that point. Exactly. Like you're, you're your own catalyst when you're playing. Totally. If you, for instance, like when I came up, I was the more aggressive person. I was the one that was saying, you know what? I don't feel like getting my head blown off today. So I'd rather go be the aggressor, make the move, try to see if this is going to work. And if it does, perfect. And that's what helped me excel and kind of get towards those pro ranks really, really quick. Well, that's why we picked you up. I mean, I remember when we were on the Ironman and, well, I, I didn't have any choice in that. It was the, you know, Shane Pistana and the, the you know, big wigs at the time of the team. But it was, it was one of those things where they picked you up because you were that guy. They were like, Eric Roberts is super athletic. He's really fast. He's really aggressive, but he attacks. He's an attacker. He does it in a smart way. You're a great gunfighter at an early age. You know, it was one of those things where you were that quintessential guy that the teams were looking to pick up, you know, someone they could, you know, let's just put Eric first on the snake, you know, or it, it wasn't even snakes back then necessarily. It was more like whatever the, the most aggressive size <laughs> of the field was, let's send Eric over there and let him do his thing. And that's, and that was kind of like how I was brought up. And when I joined the team, I remember I knew of the 12 guys on the Ironman, I knew three. Like I, I knew Billy Wing because I grew up playing with him. I knew Brian Benini because I, I would see him at tournaments, and then I knew David Youngblood. I didn't know Brahim. I didn't know Shaner. I didn't know Marty. I didn't know you. I didn't know David. I didn't know Mike. I didn't know all these other guys, and I'm like, I don't even have a clue who these dudes were. But my job was to do, okay, you're the front guy. You're going to go kill two people. And I said, okay, I'm going to go there, do the job. Hopefully, you guys know what you're doing behind me. You can clean up the rest. And that was the way that I played. And like you said, it's, it's being aware of your surroundings, and that's where I always figured, okay, you know, if I can do my job, if I can go be aggressive and, and go do what I'm supposed to do, what's relied upon upon me, I can go do that, and my team's going to be happy. And you learn how to be aware of your surroundings. Like you said, like if you're driving the car down the street, like you anticipate things. Can you anticipate when that guy's going to move, like when you should make that move? Or you know what? You don't even see him making the move, but you're like, you know what? If I was him playing against me, I would go right now. So you yeah. had to learn how to be Completely on the offense, but just know that that was the best defense for yourself is to go ahead and make those moves, try to make that destroying move where you can kind of open up for the rest of your team, then go for it. And that was my mentality. It's like I just knew how to play one type of ball, and I was completely going forward and, and relied upon all the guys behind me. And that's what kind of excelled me from playing on the Ironman, going to Avalanche for a little while, and then coming back with, with that. It's like I tried to teach the guys that I played with at the same time. When I was just turning pro, we had guys coming up Angel Fergoza, Alex Frazier, Oliver, Perchek. We had all those guys coming through that were just younger kids. And I remember we used to go beat up on them all the time, over and over and over. Then all of a sudden, they started picking up that way of playing. They started getting smart. You're like, okay, this isn't working anymore. Like, they're learning. Well, there's a couple things I want to touch on based on what you just said. The first thing I want to talk about is I want to talk about how the basically stock and trade typical way you play paintball how where that came from because that has a and that has an origin and that and that origin in part there's a percentage of that that you can directly draw from you yes from billy wing from oliver lang from who came out of that from shane pastana that was an aggressive mind state a way you play paintball and that came from northern california so i want to touch on that in a second but 
you know, the first thing I thought about too is that, dude, you're a paramedic. You save people's lives right now. You're dealing with incredibly stressful situations. We're talking about the gnarliest shit that anyone could ever see. You know, people dead and dying in really crazy situations, car accidents, like, you know, fires, like crazy stuff, right? Mm -hmm. You're the guy, you're the first responder. You're the guy that shows up on that scene. It couldn't be more important. Now we're not talking about paintball shooting and jealous and capsules at each other and playing, you know, shooting at each other now we're now we're talking about saving people's lives mm -hmm. but i'm i'm guessing you probably treat that the same way and you probably learned and your mind is so used to dealing with chaotic situations you're probably really good at that i mean you know you've done yeah. this now for a while you're good at it you know i mean what sort of mentality do you have is that similar i mean do you look at that because that you're talking about that and I, 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 how you would play paintball and, and how you would mentally approach the game and pressure situations playing for the world title playing yeah. against the best players in the world trying to be the best player in the world you know mm -hmm. but when you're heading in to save somebody's life i mean what's running through your mind is it just need to do my job you know get in there be proactive like make this you know like is it like what's going on through your mind when you're in a car accident situation or something well let's say when you're there at the gate with the other 10 guys when we play 10 men like okay the horn's about to go off i have to get down to my spot i have 10 seconds to get there and i have to do as much damage as i can to be able to make this thing go a certain direction. We need to go in a positive direction as soon as I get there. If I'm not proactive, if I'm not getting down the field as quick as I can, making those first two kills as quick as I can, and swaying the momentum for my team, then it's not gonna work and I'm gonna be trying to dig myself out of a hole. Going on a call, as soon as I get there, if that person has whatever issue, medical trauma, car accident, gunshot, whatever it is, if my 30 seconds on scene is not correct and I'm not already going the proper direction for that patient, Again, I'm digging a, self, I'm digging a hole for myself and digging a hole for that patient. So if I don't react properly and being in the front bunker with a few hundred paintballs flying over my head and everyone trying to kill me versus being in a completely chaotic situation, someone's trying to you know, go someone's for their life, on the line. they're not breathing, their heart rate's not good or, I, or even at all. I'm, I, I was kind of trained in that situation before I even got to the paramedics with the firefighter thing of it. So if you're not used to that chaos and you can't collectively be aware of your surroundings, Instead of looking at a guy cross field, if you can't look and say, okay, look at the vital signs, look at this, is this right, is this right, is this right? Start to take care of all those situations, whether it be taking care of airway, breathing, circulation, your classic stuff that you have to take care of first, or shooting down a lane, shooting across field, making sure the guys can move into position. If you're not taking care of those most important things at the beginning of the game, you're going to lose. And that's what kind of got me used to this job when I came into it I was like yeah at first like my first tournament my first call as a paramedic like you're scared to death then all of a sudden you play more games you go to more practice you study like your medical protocols you go on more runs and you go on more calls with other fire departments and then all of a sudden it's like you go into complete chaos but calm because you know if you're not making the right moves if you're not making the right decisions and it's the same thing communication if you're not communicating with your other firefighters your paramedics your teammates Things aren't going to go right. Nobody knows what's going to go on. No one knows what you're thinking. They can turn into a complete disaster. Yeah. And so that's what kind of trained me for it, though, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's so true, though, because it's calm under pressure is such a hard thing to do for a lot of people, you know, and, and, and that's the quintess. I mean, you're literally that you're someone's life is in your hand and your ability to react to that pressure situation is could literally dictate like whether that guy's daughter has a father anymore or mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying so it's like the fact that you know I'm glad I'm you know knowing you for a long time I'm glad you're in that position because there's certain people I know that are paramedics or firefighters like Mr. U, Pete Uchig is another great example like I, I 
uh, as in as a member of society, I want Pete running into fires. You know, like as his buddy, I don't want him to do that because that's a treacherous thing to do. But he's the type of intense personality that you would want to be that guy. You're the type of person I would want on a scene if like my dad was in a car accident because I know you're going to get in there, you're going to be fearless, you're going to, and you also are a really very intelligent, detail-minded person. So you're going to be able to get in there, do what you need to do in order to secure that person to get him to the hospital. You know, and you also work in the emergency rooms now, right? Yeah, I also work in uh, a hospital in the emergency room too. Like, again, continuing on patient care. So I see him as a paramedic when they're first on scene. And then when they come in to the emergency room with my other job, I get to kind of see extended care. So I get to see the benefit of good care or bad care when they're first on scene. So it's, it's, I get to see all of it around. It's, and it's weird going from the paintball aspect of it where you're going there trying to kill everybody, trying to beat someone versus now trying to save everybody yeah. and trying to be as you know helpful as you can. And it's a different mentality, but the same thing is consistent. You rely upon the other people on your team to do your job. You can all do it together if you try. If you try to do it all by yourself, it's not going to work. And, it, and you do it for certain for different reasons. Like I go up there and I try to kill all the guys that I can in a paintball tournament, and I rely on the guys behind me to keep me alive. With this one now, I'm there trying to save the patient, but I need the other guys to help me do that for her or yeah. for him or whoever it might be and then make the decision to get out of there and get to the hospital another thing that's interesting too especially out here in california in wanting to be a paramedic or a firefighter an emt is that there's so much rigmarole there's so much so many different things you have to go through and hoops you have to jump through and all these different qualifications you have to get and study you have to do and years that you have to go through in order to achieve your goal. Mm -hmm. Similar in paintball where, you know, I mean, yeah, you definitely were talented enough and were in the right position and worked hard enough that you were able to get on good teams fast. But when you got on the teams, you were also a good teammate. You know, you were, you know, good on the field, good off the field. You were somebody we could count on. Um, and, uh, and jolly to be around, but could handle shit when you needed to. But that's the same. Now you're in that same life. You know, you're yeah. in that same. We were talking earlier about how, you know, in a firehouse, you're dealing with a bunch of dudes and, you know, it's a bunch of dudes hanging out. You it's know, the it's, same thing, it's dude. the same thing. It's a different uniform. Yeah. It's like whether you're wearing your jerseys and, and that kind of stuff, instead of like your name being on your back on this one, like in, in fire, like your name's on their chest. Yeah. So now it's, it's a different thing, but you have to get along with the guys. If they don't get along with you, it's not going to work. And you have to be one of those guys that has the thick skin and like you can take the jokes, but you also have to be productive. And if they know that, you know, you can't help around the station, help around, you know, on the team, like helping them with guns. Like I came into it. Yeah. I, was, I think at my time of what I was doing, not now probably compared to the kids now, but it's like, I was a good paintball player, but at a mechanical sense of mind where I could work on all of our guns too. Yeah. You were so, also a gun tech for us. Too. So I worked on our guns. I was there for the player. I was there to help construct. Now I'm not the best mastermind when it comes to game plans because my big game plan is go forward, kill everybody. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully you guys can do the rest behind me. So with this one is like on the other side of it now, like I'm using, cause we had compressed air tanks. Mm -hmm. Now at the fire department, I'm one of the guys that works on the SCBA tanks and I make no sure way. like our air breathing apparatus. I'm like, dude, I love this stuff. Cause this is what I know. Yeah. I know the mechanical, I know the air stuff. I know this. I'm like, dude, this completely relates. So now that's the ones that I think that I kind of specialize and lean towards now is like for my departments that I work as a, as a volunteer as well as like hopefully later on, like I want to be part of like the SCBA, like the air tank stuff. Cause that's what I want to know. Yeah. And that's what like, I want my guys to rely upon me for that. Well, it takes, you know, it, it takes years of study 
I mean, you've been doing this for years now to get mm-hmm. to where you are in your career. Yeah. And it's just like in paintball, man, it takes years a lot of most of the time to get to, you know, unless you're like 0.1 of a percent, it's going to take you a lot of training. It's going to take you a lot of practice. It's going to take you a lot of time. And you have to be mentally focused enough and, and forward thinking enough and have the ability to understand g- delayed gratification. You know, yeah, going out and playing each, uh, each, uh, each moment is important. But at the same time, it's like, you know, if you don't have the ability to see the future a little bit, plan out what you want to do, what you want to accomplish, have the mental tenacity to see that plan through, you're never going to be successful in paintball and mm-hmm. you're never going to be successful in life either, but that's what you've been able to do. So it's, it's really cool to see there's a lot of these mirrored skills. So, I mean, I, I, I knew as soon as you decided you were going to do this, I'm like, oh yeah, Eric would be a great firefighter, man. That's perfect for him. You know, like that's something that, you know, that's right up your alley. Well, I think you got to be dedicated to what, I mean, do you really just want to go out there and play for the sport? Cool. That's one thing. But I, when I was going to school, before, when I was just starting the Ironman, like I was going and studying like manufacturing technology, like mechanical engineering. So my aptitude towards mechanics and doing the paintball thing, and it, that was all interrelated and intertwined. So then I came here to die, started doing the same thing, working on gun designs with Billy Wing as well. And we did that for years and years. And then I left to go pursue the fire thing. And that's another few years of EMT classes and paramedic schools and fire academies and everything. So it all related. Like I had to put that study to go in and out with the fire where I did the study for college and engineering stuff to kind of come into what I was doing here at die and for my own team. So I wasn't just the player. I was something else. I could do other, provide other things for the team. Now, I think honestly with the way that things are now is like kids aren't like that. They're like, they go out there and they go play their video games. They go out there and they might play paintball every once in a while, but other than that, like they go and play and they're like, okay, this is what I do. It's like, well, what do you, what else do you really seriously bring to a team? Like, I'm glad you can go out there and shoot a gun because any little kid, I can get, give him a machine gun and train like a little monkey to go out there and be a paintball player. But like, it, can you use your head? Can you honestly use your head? Yeah, but, and that's shit that kids need to hear, man. I mean, I tell that all the time. Anytime I get a, you know, and if you're out there, yeah, hit me up on Facebook or, you know, I love talking to, to people that are coming up and trying to make something of themselves in this world. So I, you know, I love to help out. But what I always tell people is I'm like, look, man, it's like, you know, you see so many of these kids these days whose parents weren't necessarily maybe that hard on them. And so they kind of have a, a, a false version of what the world is like. The world mm-hmm. is tough. It's a <laughs> bitch out there, man. And people don't give a shit how good of a person you are. No. They care what you can do for them. You know, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it is important that you know, like there's this scene in, uh, in, in, in a film called Glengarry Glen Ross and Alec Baldwin gets up there and he's just like, you know, he, he got nominated for an Academy Award for this film and he was only in one scene and he, and he just basically gets up and he just, you know, rails these salesmen and it's that, it's a famous scene and it's, it's the ABC always be closing and he's just hammering these salesmen and he's like, oh, you're, you're a great dad. Great. Fuck you. Go home and raise your kids. You're a great person. Yeah, it's great. Hang out with your friends. He's yeah. like, but to be in this area, well, guess what? You know, you've got to be able to close. You got to close deals. Same with paintball. You know, it's like, look, man, you are, it is, it's a little bit different because you need to be a good guy and you have to be able to somebody to be able to, to be work with. But really ultimately like people need to be a little bit more hard, hard on themselves and be understand it's like, look, life is not easy. Life's not going to get handled to you on a silver platter. You have to go out and work and earn what you're going to. It's like, we would always used to say, keep what you kill. You know, it's yeah. like, and, and you have to be able to, to, 
to take criticism, which is so hard to do, especially a lot of these young, talented kids. And maybe they came from a privileged upbringing, you know, where they didn't necessarily have a lot of criticism coming from their parents and they didn't listen. And then now they get in the paintball world and it's like, you're good, but you need to work, work on this, this, and this. And they're like, ah, fuck you. I'm the best and blah, blah. This person doesn't know what the hell they're talking about. They're old kick rocks, yeah. you know, and that's not going to really it's do. It's like, what are you going to do after paintball? Dude, honestly, once you retire from paintball and you kind of drop off the face of the earth and you go and do other stuff, like now all of a sudden, dude, you're in the deep end, treading water. Because you know what? No one gives a shit that you played pro paintball. It's a cool thing. It's a cool thing I to put it, on a resume. But you know what? I had something else to talk about, though. Yeah. Because I helped you know design guns, be mechanically inclined, how to go for it and like do blueprints and make sure stuff was made correctly. So like, I went to school. I then played paintball. I came here as a job. Then I left it, but I'm still using my mechanical stuff for something. Other kids are like, yeah, I went to, I fin graduated high school. Um, I don't know if I'm going to go to college because, dude, I want to play paintball and travel the world. And then now, okay, you've just blown out your knee and nobody wants to pick you up and you have a three-year or two-year rehab. Like, what are you going to do? And well, at least, it, and, and I... And to those kids that, that, that want to do that, hey, it's your life. Do what you want to do. But you definitely want to try to have a skill. Like I went to college and played pro paintball at the same time. You can do that. But you, you just have to have, you know, and occasionally you just got to have to have a no bullshit conversation with yourself mm -hmm. and listen to the people. It's like I don't sit there and tell, you know, younger dudes. And when older guys, when I was younger and, you know, I, I had a little bit of chip on my shoulder too. We all did, but but you learn from that. I mean, now looking back and it's like they say, when you're 18, you think you know everything. When you're 25, you realize you don't know shit, you know? And it's like, when you look back or when people, because people aren't coming to you and telling you like, hey, if you worked on your snap shooting, you'd be a little bit better. Or, hey man, you, you didn't play well that particular point. I think you should do this. And everyone gets so tunnel vision on what they were thinking of in that particular moment. It's like, man, you know, being a little bit more receptive to criticism, being less harsh on other human beings, being a little bit more receptive to criticism yourself, and also understanding what skills, what trade, what what do I have to bring to help people? What can I help humanity with? You know, I mean, what is it? Does it doesn't matter if you're gonna be an amazing guitar player or a surgeon? You know, just have be good at something. You know, like try to be achieving something yeah. because that's what's gonna take you through life. It's it's that backup plan. Because you never know when something's going to happen. Because we've seen, like, all of our friends. All of our friends, they do have other jobs. Like, real other jobs. We've looked at, like, Perchek that had to leave. We saw Brian Cole had to leave, go do something else. And they have professional jobs. Other guys, like, that have left this company that you're like, oh, God, I don't know what they're going to do. Or, like, I'm sorry, left the sport. And be like, dude, what is that guy going to do? Like, what does he do now? Oh, well, he, uh, you know, does something stupid and lame. It's like, well, do this because it's fun. Do something else because that's your life career and everything like that, and you come back to it. If there's some, if you're some kid out there listening right now and you think that you're gonna make money playing paintball, dude, you're dumb as a rock and you have no clue. Well, what's you can go make on. a little bit of money, but you're not. This is to not do what? To, pay, to pay to pay the water bill. Well, no, that's what I'm saying. Is that like it's not necessarily. There's only a handful of guys in the entire planet who paintball is a career for. We're talking about. Constantine Fedorov, Ryan Greenspan. I mean, even Oliver owns, he took the money he made from paintball and invested that in a sandwich shop. It's mm -hmm. a really successful sandwich shop here in San Diego. They got two uh, locations and they're killing it right now. You know, but it's like he was still wise enough to understand, okay, look, I'm really talented at this and I made a little bit of money off of it, but I'm going to put that money into something else because I, you know, I need, I need the backup plan, you know? And yeah. so because even if you are God's gift to paintball and you are able to play this professionally and make some sort of a living from it, from age, let's say you're the next, you know, Justin Rabikoff or whoever, you know, it doesn't matter. And you are able to make a living from age 20 to 27 or 30 or, you know, mm -hmm. doesn't matter. What are you going to do after that? You exactly. know, exactly. Like I remember talking to just good friends and 
some of them are young now and like they're still playing pro and like they've gotten like their name like right now I think looking at the stats that we guys did which is now awesome because these guys have to fight to say that they're the number one, number two, and you and I can claim that we're number one our whole entire careers because there's <laughs> nothing to really say that we weren't. But hey, these the kids older now, I get, the better I was, Eric. <laughs> yeah, I was amazing. Never got shot. <laughs> but these kids now, it's like, all right, yeah, I'm number one, number two. It's like, sweet. So, but what? I don't care that. Like, I, I know you as a person, an individual. I know you as a people player or whatever. But it's like, I know you as you. But what are you really gonna do when you're all done? Like, you need to have a backup plan. And I love playing paintball, and it was fun, and I had the greatest time of my life for 10 years, but, and now I want to get back, you know, just for fun. I mean, not tournaments, dude. Just go out there and shoot little kids, like, and have, have hey, a good we're time. Hey, gonna, we're going to start the daggers. We may throw a tournament <laughs> here or there. Dude, I'm down. Yeah. Bring, the, bring it old school back. All mechanical, wearing all the camo again. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm trying, to get, I'm trying to get Eric to come out to some big games. Hey, if, you, uh, if That's you're out there listening, the you've never played a big game before, no. my God, it's so fun. I, I was telling Eric that it's, it's basically, like you're gonna fall in love with paintball again, you know, being it, being such a tar target rich environment and just Ugh. throwing it back to when we like kind of first started and you're with your buddies and just out there and it's just pure joy the entire time. Well, man. that's the fun part is I think well just to go out there and just to shoot people and you know you're gonna shoot people, see them wipe right in front of you, you're just like oh whatever. Hey. Whereas like you know you used to flip out, but it's like you know what though, dude, that's the part of life where I've got to see where things can go bad and things can be really horrible, but at the same time like when you just get to enjoy life and. I look at someone and be like, oh my God, my life sucks. This is horrible. It's like when I have a person on the gurney and they're worried about taking their, la their next breath, that's when life sucks. When you're out there and get to go enjoy yourself and be like, oh yeah, I might not be, you know, a little bit over my credit card. I'm like having a hard time filling out my gas tank. Dude, life's still good. Like you're still having a good time. Well, dude. Totally, you're still alive. You don't have to worry about shit. Well, and that's you're another thing too is that, and, 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 we're, and when we're talking about real life shit here and, and talking about that, that's just us just, you know, trying to help out the younger guys. Because I, I, if you were sitting here in front of us and we were having a conversation over beers, that's what I would be telling you if you're 21 years old. You know, I'd be like, hey, man, you know, try to get a skill. Even if college isn't your thing, that's cool. But, you know, become a mechanic. There's, no, there, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, my brother-in-law is a mechanic. He runs an auto body shop. I mean, mm -hmm. an auto shop. He, he's good at it. You know, it's a trade. It's, it's a career for him. He makes good money doing it, you know. And... Uh, Shoot, if you get good enough, you could be one of those motorcycle mechanics or race mechanics and you get to go on tournaments yeah. and go to F1 races and or work on that just stuff. Just find something that you're passionate about, something you're good at, try to do that for a living. If possible. If not, then yeah, man, you got to pay the bills. But at the same time, like the paintball life, even if you do blow through a couple of years just sleeping on couches, we did that. You Whatever. know what I mean? No big deal. But, but you're going to look like, I don't look back at those times with any regret whatsoever. Oh, no way. No way. Because at the same time, it's like, I, you know, knowing some old, old people that have passed on and some friends that, got, that went early and, you know, I'll tell you what, man, when you're sitting there on your deathbed, the last thing that you're going to give a shit about is you're not going to be sitting there looking at the stars about to pass and go, man, I really, really wish that I put a little bit more money in my 401k, you know, like yeah, that's you're not taking it with no, you. No, you, no, you're <laughs> not going to care that. about that, you know, but that one trip though, that, you know, it's like, I remember Alex Lundquist, man, you know, who's, you want to, <laughs> Alex Lundquist, pro paintball player, one of the like most famous paintball uh, models in the world, like Google Alex Lundquist, man. And, uh, but we were sitting there one time and, he, and it was, there was a commercial that, and I may have said this in a podcast before, but it's so fitting all the time. It's such a good story, but basically it's, you know, um, we were on some crazy adventure or something and, and in Europe and, and he's, and we're sitting there drinking a beer and he's like, man, you know, if you seen that one commercial, I'm like, what commercial are you talking about? He's like, it's like a stupid credit card commercial, but it's great. I thought of you. And I was like, what is it? He's like, there's these two old guys and they're sitting there on the porch drinking, you know, some lemonade or something. And the old guy goes, he goes, uh, it's like, you remember back in the war? when those nurses asked us to go to the French Riviera 
And the other old guy goes, yeah, I remember that. The first old guy goes, man, we should have gone. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you know, dude. so it's like. Don't regret stuff. No, dude, regret. It's, it's always, yeah, it's, it's. Don't smell the food, just eat it. It's better to regret <laughs> things you have done than regret the things you haven't done. Dude, you're going to live. Shoot, we, we might die tomorrow or you might live to be 100. It's like, do as much as you can. And when you look back at it, be like, I did that and that and that and that. Yeah. For fun, still took care of yourself and you know, made sure you had a good job and everything. Yeah. Like, we're still trying to say to kids, like, well, I mean, you're, to be productive. But it's like, do everything that you can, though. Yeah. Well, people might be listening to this, like, oh, they're being so hypocritical. On one point, they're telling me to go get a job and stop fucking off. On the other hand, they're talking <laughs> about, no, go and live your life. Dude, you can do both. You we've know? done both. It's, we've done both. It's tough. I mean, we've, uh, God, I've been, you know, we've been working jobs since 15 and a half. You know, yeah. it's, but it, but at the same time, it's the, it, the world is rife with possibility and experience. And you, you, you know, it, we were sitting there over lunch talking about how how awesome it was to have been able to been on these shared experiences. Because now at you know thirty five, well, you're almost thirty five, but we can sit back and kind of and 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 share those experiences. And and mm-hmm. and it's just a, it's such a fulfilling thing to to know that there's still more experience. I mean, we're talking about making plans like, oh, we're going to go to big games this yeah. year. We're going to start a new team, San Diego Daggers. It's going to be sweet. We're going to be like, you know, just roll these. Dude, just, it, it's so, you know, it never really ends. It never really ends. It's, it's all in your mentality. Sure. You know, so it's just, it's just one of those things. Well, it's like we said, like being aggressive. You have to be like the guys that are playing pro right now are they're the aggressive type of personalities. Like they get it. Mentally, they get it. Physically, they get it. They can put it all together. Mm -hmm. They can do three different things at one time. It's the guy next to you when you're playing rookie that when you turn pro, that one dude's still playing rookie. He's the guy, he's the guy that's going to, honestly, he's probably going to suck in life. He might be doing like, (laughs) he might be a great at what he does and he's probably still looking for a stapler on his desk or trying to figure out who stole it. But you know what though? It's like, go outside and go do things and be the aggressive person because if you're the aggressive one in life, paintball, you know, financially, whatever you want to do, you'll have the most fun you could possibly have and you get to do everything. So whether it's like, oh, should I make this move or should I try to become pro or should I try to go do this? Yeah, do it all. Because you have one chance. Well, give it a shot at least. Yeah, when you don't do it and you're like, oh, God damn it, why didn't I run? Yeah, well, guess what? You're the buddy that did do it. It came and shot you in the face. He's the one that didn't think that. And now he's going to be living that memory. And be like, oh, well, I blew that dude's head off. Yeah, I, and it's, you know, there's nothing to lose. You know no. what I mean? Because that's the thing is that there you is... You learn. Yeah, you, exactly. And there's, you know, so many... I mean, shit, we've been spouting cliches off about this for the past half hour. But there's so many of those out there and they exist for a reason, you know? Mm-hmm. And, 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 the, and it's that there is... There's just the it it just it, it it troubles me when I meet people sometimes and they have so much spirit inside them but lacking courage yeah. lacking the courage to be themselves to, to to step out of their their comfort zone and to try something different and that's one of the reasons I do love this sport is because it gravitates towards people that are willing to roll the dice people that at all levels man it doesn't matter if you're playing d12 uh you you still were somebody who was like you know i'm gonna go play paintball and then you found it and then you're like i'm gonna go and i want to you know screw it man i'm gonna get on this i'm gonna try to go try for this team you know i mean what's the worst case is you don't make the team and at least you learn something about yourself yeah you know and that's it goes back to that taking criticism thing man i mean like dude I, you know even We've been doing these uh, these interviews with the MVP candidates that you know Jason Edwards just won, so hats off to him. But he, all every single one of these guys, almost to a man, I'm like, have you peaked as a player? Every single one of them, they're like, no, you know, there's no oh, such no there's way. no such thing. You know, but see, that was, that's the nice thing about them is taking these stats now. Is like they can say, did I do better than I did, than I was last year? Like, man, last summer, like mentally, I thought that I did good, but you know, what, dude, I kind of sucked. Uh, and you can't argue numbers. <laughs> 
And I know that that's you, why we're doing the stats. I know, and that's why it's so great that you and I were not there when there were stats because we obviously would have been number better, one and number than, two. Than Edwards and for better than sure. Uh, Marcelo absolutely. And, yeah. It wouldn't even be a question. <laughs> oh, so man. glad. Yeah. It was like the guys making stupid shots and like getting and running to their desk, dude, I would have been probably number two. <laughs> but, you know, it's like. You would have had a ton of kills. And your survivability went a bit a little oh, low. Oh, I would have been the worst on survivability for sure. <laughs> I can guarantee you I'd be that would be the lowest ranked. Kills I would have been pretty good at. Um, assists, I think I would have been good on assists. We're still trying to figure that out. There's that no, seems hard though. Well, the thing with like, it, you can't, it's, we've, we're thinking about doing like a half a kill, um, which was something I originally wanted to do. When I like we, that. That would help me out. When we first came up with the stats, you know, but it's like, imagine if two guys are shooting, like, okay, if it's, it's if there's, it's not a lot of variables we're talking about here. If there's five guys on a field, if two guys are shooting one way and a guy dies off that side, who shot him? Mm -hmm. Tough to tell, but they, you could eagerly say like, and I've talked enough about with it within the, the circle of pro players that guys are like, yeah, it's totally conceivable. That could be 0.5 kill for each one of those dudes, you know, because yeah. that happens a decent amount. So I like the kills, but I think my favorite one's the penalties. <laughs> because that's when you can finally say, like, dude, I fucking told you. Yeah. Would you please stop? <laughs> like, Paxton, no, I didn't. Like, Mike, yes, you did. Like, I swear to God, I love you to death, but Jesus, you would get so many penalties, it drove us crazy. No, I, I swear to God, not shoot that guy. He spun on me. It's like, now, obviously, and he's like, hey, Paxton, how's that penalty count going? Uh, well, uh, can't argue numbers. <laughs> you, know, you can't argue numbers. But that's why those are important, because, you know, and, that, and it's interesting, because we throw the word, and that's why I'm glad you're here. I mean, you are a paintball legend. Not a lot of guys can say that. And, um, you know, people may be like, oh, they, everyone's a legend. That's, that shit ain't true, man. But, you know, you, you, you were, you know, one of the top players for a long time, world champion. Um, there's not a lot of guys out there that, you know, can put your, the career that you had. You played for top teams. Uh, so it, it's, it's pretty cool to pick your brain about, you know, what you think about the sport and, and how you developed and, and that sort of thing. And so that's kind of want to, um, well, before we get into the whole aggressive thing on the uh, NorCal, like where kind of the original, uh, where where paintball aggression kind of came from on different levels. But what I, I'm, I'm actually interested to see this. What's some of the gnarliest shit you've ever seen doing your job? All right. Well, thank you guys for tuning in to The Real Deal Podcast. I'm Maddie Marshall with Eric Roberts, and I will see you guys next time.